Hello, and welcome to the debut of Soulful Quests. Thank you for joining me on this journey of personal growth. We are going to look at milestones in my life that contributed to my growth and unravel those experiences through insights from psychology and spirituality. I will share with you how I was shaped from childhood to adulthood. I will do this not just for my benefit, but because I truly believe that hearing my story will inspire and encourage you. We can't continue to think that we don't need anyone, especially during difficult times in life. We are hardwired to be social beings. That's why I'm reaching out to you. I want you to know that you are not alone in your journey and that someone does support you. So please join me and get ready for a chronicle of growth like no other. Before we embark on that journey, I want to share with you the direction we will head and explain why my background can contribute to what I will share with you. First of all, this journey that all of us are on is a lifelong process, guided by our hearts and minds. With the insights of psychology and spirituality, we can explore the intricacies of the human mind and spirit. Being a student of psychology with a PhD in the field, I've learned a lot about the human psyche and the influence of biology, psychology, and the social environment upon our lives. But my journey does not end there. I also hold a diploma in scripture studies, which has enabled me to bridge the gap between the scientific and the spiritual. Through this podcast, I will share my insights, experiences, and wisdom I've gathered along the way as we explore the profound interplay between psychology, spirituality, and personal growth. I don't know if you ever heard this, but some people say that you only live once. But is that really true? I don't think so. I want you to know that you have not one life, but two lives. The first one is the one you have been living from the first day you opened your eyes to the world. The life where you were born into a family, a city, and a society where people have expectations of you, rules and traditions you are expected to follow, the life you didn't design or choose. You just find yourself in a script written by the world around you and started wrestling to figure out who you are or what to do with the rest of your life as you grew older. That's your first life. The second life is the one you can start living from the moment you realize that it's possible. You make choices for your life based on your personal truth about yourself. This podcast will help you discover that personal truth and make decisions based upon it. I began this podcast to be a voice. A voice for something in your heart that is trying to thrive. A voice for the lost, the weak, and the brokenhearted. A voice for your dreams, your fears, your future, your hopes, and the lurking longings in your heart. A voice with a plan to connect you with the missing pieces of your life. And I want to stand by you throughout your journey to success. From a very young age, I saw life differently. 
I was on a quest, a search to find the purpose in life I was meant to fulfill. That search included delving into spiritual principles, along with fulfilling my deep need for a sense of belonging, and discovering ways to use my talents to help and support others along the way. Every one of us can find a special purpose in life. That doesn't mean becoming famous or a millionaire. But we can find meaning in life. We can fulfill a purpose in our community, build relationships, overcome our silent fears, and take part in the real world where we feel like we belong. But maybe you haven't been able to find your purpose or a job that matches your aspirations, gifts, and talents or don't have meaningful relationships. You are struggling and facing circumstances that seem insurmountable. I want to reach out to you through this podcast with encouragement and support. I want to help you uncover how much you are capable of. I know you sometimes feel like you don't know where you are in the big picture of life. Maybe you are wondering who you really are and what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. And if there is truly something special about you, you may be tired of how things are and that you're just going through the motions. I know you have potential and dreams, but you are gradually letting it all fade away because you cannot find someone who values you or somewhere where your uniqueness will be recognized. Or maybe you don't recognize your own uniqueness. And maybe you feel like a failure. I know you didn't just wake up and decide to feel that way. There was an American psychologist and philosopher named William James who told young people gathered in a chapel on Harvard campus, Be not afraid of life. Believe that life is worth living. And your belief will help create the fact. It may not look that way when you think about everything that is going on in your life, but in the end, you can kindle the fire of life and be a light for others. I know what it is like to feel like a failure and to be afraid of life. I sought to overcome those obstacles through prayer, by studying psychology and the scriptures. I gained insights into the need to belong, to find meaning and purpose in everyday aspects of life, and the importance of creating a social support network, particularly when life seems overwhelming. Throughout my journey, I sought to answer the questions of how nature and nurture work together to form us as human beings, and how that knowledge can be used to help us understand our thoughts and actions with the goal of transforming our lives one step at a time. In this podcast, you will not just hear from me, but I will share with you stories of psychologists, researchers, and spiritual guides who are in similar situations as all of us. Together, we will learn how to confront our emotional, mental, and physical obstacles and build a network of social support where we feel connected with each other. As I look back at my life, there were life-changing experiences that impacted me for many years to come. One of them was being born with epilepsy. I was born in 1958, and in that decade, 
epilepsy was often stigmatized and misunderstood by society. Many people held misconceptions about the condition, associating it with superstitions or even supernatural beliefs. Epilepsy was sometimes viewed as a sign of possession or mental illness rather than as a neurological disorder. People with epilepsy often faced discrimination and were excluded from certain social activities and job opportunities. I remember how bad I felt when a family member told me I could not take the kids to the amusement park. I could only conclude that they did not feel safe having me take the kids to the park because I had epilepsy. I really tried to understand that point of view, but it still made me feel different and that I really didn't fit in like others my age. But when it came to the epilepsy itself, I was fortunate and that I was not hindered from performing everyday activities. However, when my mom was told that I had epilepsy, she was devastated. So to prepare to talk about this subject, I did some research about the effects that epilepsy has on the parents. In this case, my mom. I really never understood what she experienced at seeing me have seizures. But in this research, I want to share with you to be able to understand what parents and mothers experience when they are told their children are diagnosed with epilepsy. First of all, there is emotional stress. Mothers often experience high levels of emotional stress and anxiety due to concerns about their health, safety, and well-being during seizures. Mothers may feel the need to be constantly vigilant to monitor their child's condition which can be exhausting and emotionally draining. I remember being told by my mom that I had a seizure outdoors, and a little girl came running to her saying, Mrs. Weaver, your daughter's lying face down in the mud. I was okay, but I can't imagine how my mom felt when she heard that. The next life-altering experience happened when I was nine years old. That was when my dad decided to move us to the other side of the city because it was closer to where he worked. At first, I was really excited about this new adventure, but I never realized the long-term negative effects it would have on me until many years later that I understood it. Not only can moving to another neighborhood be a challenging experience for children, but it can have negative effects on their social, emotional, and cognitive development. Some of the problems I experienced included, first of all, feeling uprooted. I thoroughly enjoyed where we lived. I loved the house. I was surrounded by kids. We had a park right behind our house, a pool within walking distance, and it was a very pleasant area to live in. I don't recall having any kind of academic problems in grade school, but after moving to the other neighborhood, I did experience cognitive and emotional problems, which I will touch upon. The move made it harder for me to build new relationships in that environment. I went from a neighborhood filled with kids to one where the average age was 60 plus. Being an introverted child, I didn't visit the surrounding area or plans that, that was kind of away from our house to find kids my age. I stayed away. Instead, I visited a neighbor who loved to make home cooked food. 
and was happy to share her meals with me. I find myself visiting her almost every day and enjoying her ethnic food. But doing this resulted in my gaining weight, more than what I should have been at my age and height. Well, as you can well imagine, the kids in my grade school, especially the boys, were relentless in teasing me about my weight. It had a negative effect on my physical and mental health. I began avoiding physical activities like going to the gym. However, I did play in a softball league and bowling league during my early adolescent years. But my weight made me stand out from all the other players. I experienced increased stress and shame and turned to food for comfort. You've heard of comfort food. I had a very negative image of my body. I refused to go swimming or engage in any activity that required shorts or a bathing suit. Overall, these negative aspects continued far into adulthood where I avoided social activities with my peers. I decided to socialize with the older folks in my neighborhood. This was also a consequence of the move to a new neighborhood. Moving also increased my risk for depression. It was at the age of nine when I can pinpoint that the depression set in and that I stayed to myself. I withdrew from people, not taking part in any childhood activities. The next life-changing experience occurred when I was in sixth grade. I had been transferred from the first school I attended in my new neighborhood to this particular school because of adjustment problems. The second school was one based on the Catholic faith tradition. I vividly remember one experience that took place in my math class. I was sitting all the way in the back of the room. I recall that my head was down and not looking at the sister. Suddenly I heard her call my name and she told me to come to the front of the class. Well, I stood there in front of my classmates with a math textbook in my hand. The sister asked me to answer certain math problems in the book. I couldn't. I needed time to process information like that, and I couldn't do it in this situation. And with each question I couldn't answer, she hit me hard on my back. She did that on three occasions at least. I remember holding the textbook up to my face because I didn't want my classmates to see me crying. When she was done with me, I went back to my seat. After school was over, I went home and never said one word to my mom. She heard what happened through some of my classmates who were there. She was upset and immediately went to the school to confront the sister. I remember the account my mom gave me about that meeting, which was not very much. She said the sister told her that I belonged in a school for the mentally retarded. Back in those days, that's, that's the wording they used, mentally retarded. I don't recall what my reaction was upon hearing that, but I knew, do know that in those days, the words of nuns carried a lot of weight. They were seen as special and godly people because of the sacrifices they made in that vocation. From how my mom treated me, 
From that time on, I can only conclude that she took the words of the sister seriously. I say that because when coupled with epilepsy, and now the words of this sister, I can look back and clearly see that I was considered slow and had a learning disability, which led them to have no positive expectations for my future. They never talked about preparing me for a life outside of the home. It was assumed I would not have it within me to live an independent life. In that kind of environment, I find myself believing those things too. In our next episode, I will continue to relate to you the effects of believing I was different from everyone else, the choices it led me to make, and the outcomes of those decisions. But until then, I want to leave you with a few questions to ponder. During your childhood, did the words and actions of others have a profound impact on your life? How did you react? As we continue this journey together, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. I want us to somehow build a social support network which involves hearing from you and not just listening to me. I encourage you to write to me about what you found helpful in this podcast. I will try to address some of your emails in future shows. My email address is jlweavr at yahoo.com. But I want to make it clear that I will not be offering any kind of professional advice concerning mental health issues or anything that is personal of that nature. I am here to support and encourage you as you learn about ways you can work on changing aspects of your life that have held you back from finding meaning, purpose, and belonging in life. Let us continue this soulful quest together.